After these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome back to After These Messages. We are bringing you hot takes on commercial breaks, because that's what we do. We talk about commercials, we talk about the good ones, we talk about the bad ones, and we talk about the ones where people say weird shit, like this. You son of a biscuit-eating bulldog. My name is Andrew Walsh, I'm here with Genevieve Haz. Hey, Vives. Hey, Andrew. Coming up today, we are talking about cannibalism. Not human cannibalism, but we are talking about products that eat themselves. I would like to see an ad where human cannibalism is the is the premise. I stumbled on a dark part of the internet today. I bet, yeah. Where That's, they you, did try to I don't envy you your search terms. Yes. Your search history today. As a matter of fact, will you uh, give... I think that, I don't know if we mentioned this on the show before, but every Wednesday night we have a ritual. Genevieve goes into my search history, looks at everything I've looked at since the yes. previous Wednesday, just to make sure that you know this everything's on the basic up and relationship up. maintenance. Right, exactly. So I'm hope it's a real um, <laughs> it's a real Pence family tradition. Um, <laughs> oh, oh I, father! Oh, we're going boy, the the political humor early got you right in the funny bone. Um, I hate that motherfucker so much. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes. So I want to make something clear. We are going to be talking about products that eat themselves. Now, in so many uh, roundups talking about cannibalism and commercials today, I found a lot of lazy bloggers who would throw things in like the, a lazy blogger. Can you, you imagine? <laughs> I was actually had lazy blogger at blogspot.com um, who would include like the dark commercials of the Pop-Tarts. Remember the Pop-Tart yes. commercials where uh, a mother and father Pop-Tart have a baby Pop-Tart and then the nurse comes in and wants to eat the baby Pop-Tart? Right, and they're always being tricked into some horrible death trap. That's not cannibalism no. because they're Pop-Tarts and she was a, a human. Yeah. These are yes, cartoons, they interact, the they live yeah. in the same world in a BoJack-like way. Yeah, and so there are some really dark commercials out there, but we we done all that. Yeah. This is only cannibalism. We did so. it episode two, I believe. Is that our second one? That got dark. Why so, or yeah, got, that got dark, yeah. Anyway, so I'm looking forward to that. I have a lot of examples of it, and it is a questionable marketing uh, technique, I think. I also have some notable non-examples of it, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Maybe it will later. Maybe not. Uh, also, we got a text message from a friend and a friend of the show this weekend that you're downright giddy about. And I am. it's blue. It's blue. Boy, is it blue. Um, and it is uh, It's some behind the scenes, uh, or he tipped us off to a, a, a spec ad gone either spectacularly wrong or spectacularly right. I guess it depends on uh, sort of your, your point of view. But we'll get to that in the ad council. Yeah, because we were talking about spec ads last week, of course, commercials that people just make without the uh, brand's permission just right. to kind of get their name out there. And often they will be pretty risque so that they'll go viral. And Even though rule number like, six is don't, just don't default to sexual innuendo. I thought that was we don't talk about spec ads. <laughs> uh, Blast your spec ads. <laughs> anything else in the ad council that you're ex excited about? Uh, well, as you know, I now do a podcast within a podcast about vanilla beans. And That's we've got, right. You we've got some more on that. <laughs> more on vanilla news. Right. You went so into vanilla beans background last week. That's all I care about anymore. Um, all right. Sounds good. Uh, so let's start, though, by talking about cannibalism.
Do you know this song? I don't. When I was a little kid, this is not the best way to start the show. When I was a little kid, you know, I didn't like a lot of the music my parents played in the car. There was the stuff my mom played and the stuff my dad played. Mm -hmm. My dad had a lot of Carpenters, a lot of um, 70s ballad stuff that I didn't really like. He did have one cassette tape of Diana Ross from what everybody agrees is her heyday, the 1980s, an album. <laughs> I believe she might have been in a band before this or some sort of a group, but nobody's ever heard of them. But in the 80s, she really came into her own. And uh, she had an album called Eaten Alive. And it had this song on it, Eaten Alive. And I remember really liking it because at the end, you would hear... That wow, right, right on cue song. Thank you very much. And so as a kid, like that captured the fascination and like you know we, the novelty sound of crunching. Yes, and this whole idea of people getting eaten. And so that was a, a song that I it was Andy approved in my dad's car. And so we'd listen to it over and over. Then I hadn't listened to it in decades, obviously, probably since I was like eleven years old. And it popped into my head when I was putting together this show. And I'm listening to it, especially that chorus. And I'm like. That's Michael Jackson. That is clearly yeah. Michael Jackson there. So I looked up the song. Apparently, they really were expecting this to be a really big hit. That is Michael Jackson. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this sounds like Michael Jackson, but I don't know it. It's Diana Ross. But mm -hmm. then she, you know who wrote it were the Gibbs brothers oh. from the Bee Gees. Of course, the Bee Gees. Still yeah. cranking out all kinds of hits for other artists. And they wrote it. We had another song on this show recently that we learned was by the Bee Gees. Huh. I don't remember I that. remember. But apparently Michael Jackson then punched it up and then they gave him the writing credit on it and then he ended up performing on it and they expected this album to be a huge hit. It's Michael Jackson. It's 1985. It's got a real thriller quality. Yeah. The video is actually based on uh, some the island of Dr. Moreau. Um, but anyway, uh, it was a big flop here in the United States. It did make the charts in Europe, but, you know, that says more about Europe than Diana Ross and Michael Jackson, I think. Interesting. I didn't know any of that. That's a yeah. good little uh, backgrounder on a, on, a, not on a song that, like, kind of disappeared beneath the waves. Um, okay, so that was... Do you know what the story of Island of Dr. Moreau is? I mean, I know that it was made into that movie, like, what was that, 15, 20 oh years ago? God. That was one of the More biggest... More than. Was that a 90s movie? At least. I mean, it's that... It's Marlon Brando. Brando. I couldn't come up with his In name, his but his, like, his decline. Decline. Right. At the peak of his decline, if, if that can be a thing. <laughs> at his most decline. At his nadir. At his nadir. Thank yes. you. Nader? nadir. Nader, I think, yeah. Um, hey, I voted for Nadir. I voted. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Brando at his like most bonkers. It's you know Iceman. Why am I blanking on his name? Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer um, at a fairly equally bonkers. I would have gone with the Jim Morrison, but point. we'll go with Iceman. Sure. I think he's better known as Iceman. <laughs> I know. Um, and I th I want to say nineties um, darling Fruzabalk. Yes. Um, anyway, this trip we're now down, two white people doing a movie podcast. We're just doing a movie which podcast. The world does not no, need another one of those. But that movie is so bonkers, and I I think there's supposed to be like a great documentary about the making of it and how crazy mm. it got that I've never been able to locate. I should go check it out. But it's all based on a book, right? The Island yeah, of Doctor Moreau. It is a based book. on a book, but the movie I think I've never read the book, but the movie departs somewhat, I believe, from it. Okay. Anyway, it's about a crazy guy who turns people into animals, and or vice versa. All right. You want to talk about commercials? Yes. We're about eight and a half minutes into this bad boy. Um, all right. So the commercial that got us thinking about cannibalism was a new one that is running now. And I didn't realize this is a 
kind of resurrected campaign, and more on that in a second. But this latest iteration, uh, airing now, and I believe kind of dropped recently, is for Lay's Potato Chips. And it involves two classic American characters, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. In this one, Mr. Potato Head is coming home, let's just say from work. It's like a classic Americana kind of scene. And in the living room, there is Mrs. Potato Head, and she is eating Lay's potato chips. Now, we have a situation where potatoes are eating potatoes, and she thinks she's getting away with something via a loophole. Honey, I don't believe it. You're eating Lay's again, aren't you? Uh, No, I'm not. This is your spare mouth, so you're eating Lay's. Okay, now, if you're familiar with the Potato Head toy situation, um, she has taken one of his apparently extra mouths with a mustache and put it on her face, and she's eating them with his mouth. See? It's yours. It's your mouth. How does that even work? You should be ashamed of yourself. Honestly. Mm. Mm. So can I have one? You just did. <laughs> Very funny. Mm. Now he's he basically d- okay oh. with it. Mm. He does what? grab one at the end and eat himself. My question is, so like, is that just, a, he has a spare mouth, one with a mustache, one without? Right. Because so, he's not wearing her mouth. No, I think it's just a, her, his spare mouth. She identifies it as his spare mouth. Okay. Um, now, I thought that was a new campaign. Turns out that the original version of these came out in 2015. Did you know that, Viv's? I, re- I did remember that the Potato Head family used to be the Lay's. Pitch, really? Pitch, okay. Cre- pitch critters. Well, I would like to take you on a journey of this story, an arc, if you will. Here oh, is I remember the first this one. one. This is the very first one that came out. And again, it's a very similar situation, I think. He comes home to find Mrs. Potato Head eating Lay's potato chips, this time without the loophole, if I'm remembering this correctly. Sweetie, I'm home. See, it's almost exactly the same shot that we're seeing four years later. He comes home. He takes off his plastic hat and puts on his plastic hair, which is a pretty good spoof. He is wearing his mustache now, the one that we just saw in the last commercial. He's looking around the house for his wife. And it's sort of being played like she's going to be having an affair. Right. And she's in the closet in the kitchen, the pantry. But you're a potato. Okay. So there we have it. The problem, he's he's appalled by this. Yes. And she's okay with it. The light, crispy taste of Lay's potato chips. Mm. One taste, and you're in love. A little secret, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the very end, she feeds him one. Right. And as you hear, he's okay now, with now it. Now they share their a secret. Now, this is the second one in the narrative arc, so far as I can tell. Now he is addicted himself, and... He goes to the grocery store wearing a trench coat and other Mr. Potato Head-like disguises so that nobody will recognize him while he's buying all of these potato chips. He gets to the Lay's aisle. He's overwhelmed by the possibilities. He's pulling all the flavors. Ooh, now barbecue. He's, yeah, I like barbecue. By the way, I saw a bag of uh, Lay's barbecue potato chips today at the store, and the, there was like a snack size bag at the checkout, and for some reason, the, the bag just showed a big picture of a woman's mouth on the front of it. It did not make me want to eat chips. 
Uh, really? Yeah, I think it's some sort of special tie-in campaign they're doing, maybe for a fundraising thing. But oh, I found it unappealing yeah. as a potato Don't chip sound great. eater. Uh, he's now Mr. Potato Head in his trench coat and hat, uh, checking out, and the the kid running the register is giving him kind of a funny look. Okay, now he leaves the store. Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head are now driving in their getaway convertible, and he takes off his disguise. Sweetie, you keep eating those, and you're going to turn into one. (laughs) So he's gone from chiding her at first to then secretly eating one to then going in on the scam, and now they're just going in for this dark humor. Right. Right? Oh, you're going to turn into one. It would be like if you saw me eating a human being and then you're kind of like oh andrew you keep you keep oh you keep eating johnny you're gonna turn into one you crazy cannibal you this raises a lot of interesting questions one are all potatoes sentient in, in other this words world? in this world if that potato had not been made into a potato chip could you have stuck a mouth oh, wow. and a nose on it and it becomes so. sentient i read a great article uh i want to say it was it was either Slate or Salon. It was one of those kind of publications that ex- that explored the like the the implications of the Toy Story world. Like when is when does a toy become sentient because this new one has a toy that's made from like a fork and a p- pipe cleaner, mm-hmm. and it's like what bestows sentience on it. And if you take apart the constituent parts, and there's and they even get into a Mr. Potato Head where Mr. Potato Head like attaches his hands and feet to a pancake and then suddenly the pancake becomes sentient Mr. Potato That's Head. a real scene or that's just That's a... a real scene from a Toy Story movie. Oh, really? And it this this article was a very tongue-in-cheek funny exploration of the um the sort of philosophical implica- implications of like where does sentience reside in a toy that has mm. a life force you know like if you take apart its constituent parts do the parts remain sentient or what i don't pretend to have the answers to that but my guess is in this world there are just regular potatoes out mm-hmm. there and then there are mr and mrs potato head but they also realize there's something wrong with this yeah i guess so i but mean that kind of takes the piss out of it huh you know a hungry dog will eat a will eat another dog We'll eat a wild, like a wild dog. We'll eat a domesticated dog, right? How was I not ready for this to get this dark? <laughs> honestly, okay. I have one more, and then I want to just make a case. Okay, so this is the last one in the narrative until the until the new ad in 2015. This is from the old campaign, and now I just want to play this one because the the potato head kids are involved. Uh, we see that they're doing some backyard camping, and they're in their tent. The the you know siblings and they hear some crunching and the the key part of this one is not just that now the kids are kind of catch their parents doing this but now Lay's potato chips are definitely a stand-in for sex Mm -hmm. you were kind of saying before there's kind of a sultry vibe like a is he catching her stepping out kind of yeah well it's played like a like a cheap the first one is really shot and and its scenes are evoke a cheap porn right now this one um Definitely kind of goes back to that when the kids catch them, they kind of sneak up through the bushes, they part the bushes, and they see their parents outside eating potato chips. And it's definitely kind of got a like a mommy and daddy special time vibe to it in this one. Hey, wake up. Listen. (laughs) 
So they catch mom and dad sitting in a tree and mom's sensually eating a potato chip. That's right. I think they're sitting under a tree, no, right? Under a tree. Or, or, yeah. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, kids, uh, go back to sleep. Uh, why are you oh, that, that was close. Now, where were we? <laughs> Lay's, one taste in your Okay. I know I took you through a lot of Lay's potato chips commercials there. Here's my point. First commercial, 2015, he catches her, scolds her. By the end, says, okay, it's going to be a little secret. Next commercial, he's totally complicit. He's, you know, getting the chips, getting the goods. Then we see that now becomes some sort of a psychosexual thing. Four years later, they reboot the campaign. And I guess that's what my argument is. This is clearly a reboot and not a sequel. Because if it was a sequel, he wouldn't be so upset when he comes home again catching her eating potato chips. I don't want to call you a potato racist, but are you positive that the new couple is even the same potato couple? I mean, do all potatoes look alike to you? I don't even want to say this because it's so cliche, but some of my best friends are potatoes. <laughs> uh, no, clearly it's the same couple. But Are you sure? Yeah. Why? How are you sure? They're exactly the same. Do they have the same voices? I'm pretty sure they have the same voices. I didn't hear any difference in there. All right. I'd go back to the tape, except I just played a lot of tape. Yeah. I don't want to go back. I'm convinced that this is a reboot. Okay. And they're just sort of starting it over from the, yeah. from the beginning. Which makes me say, like, are there no more good ideas out there? Come on. Well, here's here's an alternative theory. They've been through this whole, early, this first narrative arc, and they're you know now they're sinfully mm-hmm. indulging in potato cannibalism. Mm-hmm. But then they like get clean, mm-hmm. and they they do it. They you know they're like putting this vice behind them, mm-hmm. and then that's why when he comes home, he says, "Are you eating?" He catches her mm-hmm. again, and yeah, she's backsliding. Right, right. And of course, as anyone who has an addiction knows. If you are yourself an addict, living with someone who is backsliding is not going to be good for your addiction. Right, right. Again, how did I not know this was going to get so serious today? (laughs) It's a show about cannibalism. Shall we move on to the serials? Because there were two serials, I'm going to say about five, ten years ago, that were both marketing cannibalism. Do you remember these from Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Uh, yeah, I think so. So you can probably picture the little square that is Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal. They're just like bite-sized little squares. Uh, tasty as all get out. In this one, we see very plain background. We see a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. In front of it is a blue bowl. There's no milk in it, just a blue bowl with two uh, little bites or two little squares of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And they have little googly eyes on them, okay? They're... Uh, anthropomorphized. I'm learning words. Yes, you got it. For some reason, as I started to say that word, I lost confidence in myself. <laughs> so I wanted to slow it down a little bit. Um, and so they're kind of like goofily animated here. And as we get in close on them, the one piece of cereal starts licking the other one with a long tongue. They both look kind of like charmingly dopey and goofy, Yeah, exactly. Right? They're sort of like wide-eyed and just kind of like <laughs> smiling smiling a bit goofily. But the one you can see is starting to get a little grin. He's starting to get an idea. He starts licking his friend. Goes in for a second lick. Now we think 
that he's going to get a third lick, but then suddenly the one that's being licked turns into a vicious giant pair of chompers and just eats the other one. So the lick E becomes the E tor. Mm. <laughs> it's all that cinnamon and sugar that makes those crunchy little squares. Yes. So this dynamic where the one it licks the other one, keeps licking the other one, but then like turns away and pretends innocence mm-hmm. until the he until he eventually gets chomped is the exact dynamic that our cats have. <laughs> Professor Bananas right. loves to love on Theo and she waits until he's like asleep or not paying attention and she tries to start cleaning him and then if he like whips around and looks at her or kind of bats at her she stops and freezes and looks away and then waits until he's relaxed again and then starts cleaning him and the next thing I know I look over and he's got her neck in a bite and he's like holding her down in a death grip. And he's chomping her. He's chomping her. You're absolutely right. This next one I'm going to play for you, I find a little bit more disturbing because we're now in, we knew we are going to get here, we're now into self-cannibalism. <laughs> this time, it looks like the just the licky, he's in the bowl by himself this time, totally different commercial, and he just starts licking himself. <laughs> then he starts taking bites out of himself. Until there's nothing left. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Like an Ouroboros. I would like to tell you that's the last self-cannibalism we'll be uh, seeing this show, but that is not the case. <laughs> um, this next one, still Cinnamon Toast Crunch. The answer, whole... sadly, is <laughs> not, not yes. yes. <laughs> um, this one, the, they're both in the blue bowl, but there's uh, there's milk in there. So we only see the, kind of the top half of them floating, the two buddies again. But then we see a third one, but we only see it. It's at an angle and poking out of the water, kind of like a shark fin. And oh, it no. Is this going to be like, them. like that description in Jaws where the he goes to talk to his buddy uh, and then uh, like he pulls him out of the water, but his bottom half is gone? Oh, I don't remember. Is that from the first one? It's not from. It's from that in the sense that it's a description of a famous shipwreck which is the wreck of the the sinking of the USS Indianapolis uh, which is a true story okay um, but there's a very vivid description of it that uh, that is told in Jaws is that the one where he also scratches is that the scene where, where he, he says, scratches the, his fingers on the blackboard or is that where they're getting drunk in the where boat where they're getting drunk in the boat okay. and he says when you when a shark's eye rolls over oh uh, wow anyway yeah that's what this is going to be like Here comes the shark. That milk doesn't look very milk-like. Too thick looking to you? Yeah. I mean, this animation, it's all animated, of course. So one one of them gets eaten, and then the other one tries to swim away, but he gets eaten. And then the third one, the one pretending to be a shark, pops up and looks a little drunk on his own brethren. Yeah. Where's he fitting all of them? They're That's exactly a good question. The same what size. is their digestive system like? I have no idea. This doesn't feel even though they are clearly they're clearly being eaten alive. They're so goofy looking. They're so they seem to have so little going on upstairs. They're sort of like minions mm-hmm. in that way. They're sort of just like dopey little barely sentient things. Mm-hmm. You know that I don't find anything really sad or upsetting about it. See, I I respect 
all living creatures. And that's kind of the <laughs> difference between us. Like, yes, as your like, as your long history of veganism suggests. <laughs> right, exactly. And you're kind of like fish don't have feelings. I'm like, yeah, they do. Um, all right. This next one, do you remember the cereal Crave with a K? I do, yeah. You do. See, I didn't remember this at all. Um, yeah, they basically, it was like a cookie with some chocolate inside of yeah, it. Yeah, I can't believe this is even a cereal. Well, even in the world of chocolate or in sugar cereals, this yeah, seems a little over the top. It's very sugary. So it's like, it almost is, looks like a, a mini-sized uh Totino's pizza roll. Yeah, it's almost. like a chocolate Totino's pizza roll. But then roll inside for is chocolate and you pour milk on it and you eat it. Apparently, there's a whole bunch of these. The ones that I found, it starts with a, you see a big, this is called the Trojan bunny. You see a big chocolate bunny and then its head pops off. I want to restart this sentence. This is a very complicated commercial in right. my. In my defense, because being unfamiliar with the with the actual food worked against me, too. We actually see a couple of little bite-sized pieces of chocolate wandering around. Like, if you had one of those giant Hershey's chocolate bars and, you, and that come off in little chunks, yeah. you know, you got a, two or three of those little guys running around. Now we see this big-ass chocolate bunny move into the scene, right? The chocolate bunny's head pops off off we then see a ladder come out of the head and a bunch of whatever the outsides of these things are a little i don't know granola right they're sort of i think they're like shredded wheat or something yeah those things come out they don't have any chocolate in them and then they start chasing around the chocolate bites and terrorizing them and eventually eating them and so by eating the chocolate they are making their insides chocolatey <laughs> Tell me if I got any of this right. I think I got it. Oh, it's like a Trojan horse. Yeah, that's why it's called the Trojan bunny. Its head pops off, ladder comes out, it's got all these little crispy things inside, they come out, and they eat the little chocolates. And I would say the most disturbing thing about this would be the sound that all the little guys make. See, they're very excited to see their big chocolate friend. Like, right. oh, look, we're little chocolates, and that's what, a big chocolate. What a great gift. What a great thing. We can hang out all the time. We can go to the park. You can show us giant rabbit tricks. <gasps> Wicked crunch outside, smooth chocolate inside. Chocolate will never be safe again. Crave cereal. Chocolate, chocolate. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's like it's the expression of fear from the chocolate which has no personality. They just look like little, yeah, like mm-hmm. little chocolate squares. Even um, less personality than the... the yeah, they lack crunch. any features, any yeah. sort of personality. But they don't want to be eaten. And yet, they are consumed. Only to then be consumed again. Yeah. By us. By us. Although, I guess not a lot of people since I don't... Do they still make Crave? Uh, no, I think everybody who ate it died of diabetes. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so let's go to M&M's. This is another one where a lot of people would... It's, it's all snacky foods, right? It's oh, that's like, interesting. It's like yeah. sugar cereals or candy or chips. I mean, it's never like, you know, I don't know, like they don't even advertise healthy food, I guess. But like it's 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 not like more substantive food. It's not like Kraft mac and cheese or something. Right, right. Or at least not that I could find. So to come back to the M&M's, you know, I've hated this campaign. It's a long-running campaign. It must be successful. But, of course, you have the animated um, M&M's. And we've talked a lot about how dark these commercials are because often they're finding themselves, again, in kind of like, I'm going to say psychosexual relationships with adult 
human beings it often very sexual right there's yeah, one where it's there's impli- an it's heavily implied that it's romantic in nature until it's not romantic often like a woman an attractive woman wants to take one of these m&ms home and the m&m is excited about it until they realize they're going to get eaten or i saw one today where a woman is in bed a human woman is in bed with an m&m and then the the uh, husband comes in and quote unquote catches her but then turns out he's upset because he wanted to share the m&m with her and not uh have her just hog it um but then this latest m&m flavor to come out which is a hazelnut spread flavored m&m has a new commercial and there's a woman a human woman and she is like kind of in like a ted talk looking kind of auditorium and she is about to present the new m&m flavor and then when she goes to gesture to the m&m that is you know waiting on a pedestal there's nothing left of it but the big white shoes and the white gloves somebody has eaten this m&m and then the camera pans over and we see like four or five of the established m&m characters and they have chocolate all over their faces like they just ate this new m&m it's the flavor we've all been waiting for and here to help us launch this delicious product is the newest member of our team the hazelnut spread m&m spokes candy <gasps> oh my what? You ate the new spokes candy? Not all of him. New hazelnut spread M&M. That's really dark. That one's really the gross. The visuals are really gross. The visuals are so gross because you really are sort of forced to picture these five or six, you know, candies that are sort of waist high, right? They're large depictions of, of M&M's having like sort of had like a feeding frenzy yeah on something that's equally sort of quasi human sized you know it's the most evocative of a nasty real yeah cannibalism event exactly it's very unpleasant and was that happening while she was standing there why didn't the one being cannibalized speak up yeah why didn't it scream yeah why didn't they scream um, by the way, quick aside here, because I, I told you I have some non-examples I want to share with you, too. Where they don't cannibalize something? <laughs> yes. Well, I thought for sure. So I was just trying to do some brainstorming, aside from just like finding these blogs that kind of a lot of people would repeat the same three examples over and over. I'm like, well, what are the kinds of foods that most often cannibalize themselves in signs and stuff? In fact, I even found a Flickr. Uh, user, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name because it's like a, an abbreviation, but you can probably look for it. And they have something called anthropomorphic cannibalism. They have a collection of photos they've taken or collected from the internet of signs. A lot of them seem like Southern California of uh, various foods eating themselves. Right. Like, and what did you already look at this? What do you think of the top three by my? Well, I did look at this, yeah. but I could have guessed that ice cream cones would be a big one. Oh, you know, that's not on my list. Oh, but no? yeah, that would be a big one. Yeah. I see that all the time, like a big ice cream cone, like licking an ice cream cone. What about turkey? Um, I chicken, or I think. Chicken. Just so many, like you know, pollo loco kinds right. of signs where you have like a cartoon chicken barbecuing up some chicken, <laughs> hot dogs like crazy, hot dogs, hot dogs <laughs> gripping hot dogs, so many hot dogs <laughs> clutching a hot dog in each hand, um, and pigs. A lot of pigs barbecuing yeah, of course. other pigs. A lot of pigs as the mascot for barbecue restaurants. I also thought that maybe Mr. Peanut 
would have a commercial where he's popping peanuts. And I did discover a quasi-recent Mr. Peanut campaign that is actually really interesting in a lot of ways. And maybe we can talk about it more in another show. Bill Hader is the voice of Mr. Peanut. Oh, Did you know that? Well, I, the last voice that I was aware of was Robert Downey Jr. Oh, really? I didn't know. He- but that's maybe been a while, but huh. a few years now. But these commercials with the animated Mr. Peanut are very detailed. One of them, he's having a Christmas party and he's serving nuts like crazy. He's pushing them on his guests. But he, And then a Nutcracker comes and there's a joke about how the Nutcracker attacked him last time when we see the crack in the back of Mr. Peanut's head with a mm-hmm. bandage and then they spin that one off and we later see the nutcracker behind glass it gets really dark they have him in a testing facility to see how good the nuts are but they have him in kind of a silence of the lambs kind of plastic thing and yeah, they're speaking like, of cannibals yeah it gets really weird but it's not really cannibalism because it's a nutcracker and the nuts are feeding other nuts to him, but they're not animated nuts. And it's a weird thing, but <laughs> I, they go on and then they get the commercials get meta. We end up. This they, again begs, uh, not begs the question, but this again. Uh, raises the question. Raises the question. Uh, are in a universe where they're, where a Mr. Peanut is sentient. Right. Are all nuts sentient. Because it seems really dark he's to me. He's very big. He's bigger than the he average He is bigger nut. and he's talking. But they're so careful to never have him. I watched so many of them. There's a whole reel of them which are really interesting because they get meta. They start doing interviews with Mr. Peanut's stunt double <laughs> who's bragging about what a good stunt double he is. And then we start seeing old scenes from previous commercials where they mocked in the stunt double who goes by Mr. Peanut Butter because every time he gets smashed he turns into peanut butter. Anyway, it's a really interesting campaign but I, I watch so many of them I'm just like, Mr. Peanut, pop one of those babies. I want to put it in the show sheet but they never do and that is on purpose. It must be part of the Mr. Peanut Bible. They must have just walked right up to that line and then say, but we're not going to have him eat one of his own. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. That's all I got. No. Um, I thought this was interesting. Going back to 2004, I found a letter written into the Wall Street Journal. They had an ad council section where somebody would talk about ads and answer people's questions about ads. Sounds like a good idea. Um, and this <laughs> listener, this reader wrote in, have you seen the Pizza Hut commercials in which, Wall Street Journal, right, the reader here, in which... Muppet Miss Piggy pitches some pizzas covered with different kinds of meat. Isn't it a bit creepy to see a pig selling what could well be bacon or sausage? Columnist Brian Steinberg responded, quote, The ad you're talking about made for Yum Brands Pizza Hut by Omnicom. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Globochem. Globochem. Made by Globochem Group BBDO. Shows a bunch of Muppets learning about the chain's uh, pizza, new new pizza for all pizzas, which offer four small pizzas with different toppings. And it's Scarlet. I'm sorry. It says Starlet Jessica Simpson, who is offering them and explaining them. Now, here's that ad. And I think the cannibalism in this is very, very dubious. So at one point... We're going to see a bunch of Muppets. They're all hungry. Jessica Simpson comes in, and she opens one pizza box, but inside of it are four small pizzas, one of which is clearly vegetarian because it's got green peppers all over it. Green pepperoni! I've got the new Pizza Hut four for all. One, two, three, four pizzas in one. You can all get what you want. And I've got green peppers just for you, Kermie. 
Miss Piggy must have a crush on the frog or something. I don't know. <laughs> now, you know what I realize here is at the very beginning, they are all screaming what they want. Animal definitely screams that he wants meat. And Piggy does say something. Let's hear. Does she cry for pepperoni? Meat! <laughs> no. Miss Piggy screams for mushrooms. Okay. So that is not cannibalism. Right. However, I went deeper. I'm not going to just let the Wall Street Journal spoon feed me this shit, Jenny, No, you know me. Um, so We're not like uh, other podcasts. I found another I found another commercial that must be from the same campaign, although it seems older. Um, we have like four kids, three or four kids sitting in a pizza shop, which why are, yeah, I guess they're at a, a pizza hut. And um, Miss Piggy comes out of the oven. It's one of those pizzas. I can't remember what they're called, but they have the little bites. It's like you the crust nibbles that you can pull off. Um, and Miss Piggy comes out of the kitchen and she clearly does have a pepperoni pizza and she starts slinging the pizza into the boys' mouths. Hey guys, pull out the new Cheesy Bites yeah. pizza. Are you ready, Bites? Start popping! These bites are made for popping. And that's just what they'll do. One of these days, these bites are gonna pop right into. She eats one at the end. Yeah. A pizza with 28 uh, bites. Yeah. Pause the cannibalism conversation okay, for sure. a moment to say what a world we live in where Miss Piggy is presented as a sex object mm-hmm. to four pre-adolescent to three pre-adolescent boys in a pizza hut. And then she and, and then the commercial closes. I know we didn't get there, but I see that it closes with her and Jessica Simpson sharing a moment, sharing a moment as two bombshell icons. Yes. So that's good, though, right? I don't know what it is. <laughs> I feel like it sort of transcends the simple categories of bad or good. And of course, she's doing a song that these kids probably wouldn't even know. Yeah, right. Uh, boots are made for walking. Nancy Sinatra. Nancy right? Sinatra. Yeah. Um, but that one, she is definitely slinging a pepperoni pizza, which I know pepperoni can be made with beef, but I think often you gotta you gotta kind of typically assume it's pork, got yeah. pork in there. So that one I find to be a little bit more. On the I edge. have uh, if the if the court will allow it, I have some possible exculpatory evidence here. Okay. Um, Just at- one moment, please. Just one <laughs> second, please. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, as you know, my very favorite Christmas album is the John Denver sings Christmas carols with the Muppets. And there's a song in that, um, uh, uh, I think it's, what is it? It's, we wish, oh, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Okay. And there's a lyric in that song, and now bring us some figgy pudding. Um, and I think Scooter is singing it, or one of the characters is singing it. And bring us some figgy pudding, bring us some figgy pudding. And Miss Piggy interrupts to say, figgy pudding? Or she thinks he's saying piggy pudding. Yeah, I had a feeling that's She interrupts, and he says, um... No, no, it's it's figgy pudding. It's made with figs. And then there's a okay. pause, and he says, and bacon. Oh, and no. And she says, what? You wow. Know? And and so she, that's like very, you know, she's very against food that would incorporate pork in that scenario. You know, that was an early bacon joke before we were overwhelmed with bacon jokes. Yeah. So good on John Denver and the Muppets for that. Um, yeah, so it does seem like she's anti-eating pig. Yeah. So that's good. I think she is. Um, 
All right. This is going off the rails, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit. Let me play this last one. We've played this before, but I have a little bit more background. Do you remember why we played these ads that I think might have been online only? I'm not exactly sure. From Little Baby's Ice Cream. Do you remember these at all? I don't. I think, I'm pretty sure we've talked about these and you've played a different version of them. These are easily, in my estimation, the most disturbing commercials we've played on this show. And they were made by... Oh, I do remember this now. I forgot the name of the product. There's an artist named Doug Garth Williams. And... Somehow he had a connection to this, um, this like uh, ice cream and non-dairy frozen dessert shop in Philadelphia called Little Baby's Ice Cream, and and they hired him back in 2012 to make some videos that went viral, and they are human beings that are supposed to be kind of made yeah, of ice they're cream. They're drippy and white. They're drippy and white, and they're in some cases eating themselves. Yeah. In this particular one, and it's. Almost, I mean, the, the thing here is it's all visual. You will hear the voiceover, though, is you see a completely black background, a pretty intense close-up on one of these creatures' faces. And again, it's very clearly a human underneath there. You can see the the lips are coming yeah, through a little, a little bit. bit of, a little bit of human skin is coming through, but the impression is that they are a drippy mass of melting ice cream this is honestly like something that i would have seen in like when i went to art shows yeah. in college i think it we seems actually like very much like i don't recall art. what show we did this in but i mm-hmm. think it might have been about auteurs and their okay. making of commercials you know like sort of more arty directors with a vision doing interesting work well, in this one, keep in mind that vision that I just uh, described to you. And, and also picture the eyes, okay? These are very human eyes staring directly at the camera, unblinking. We even see a little bit of the eyelashes around it. Everything else is kind of dripping in white. As you start to hear the voiceover, which is not spoken by the person we're seeing, um, which is why they call it voiceover, uh, this being starts taking a big spoon scooping off the top of its head and eating it, just putting that spoon right in its mouth. And he does it maybe 10 times over the course of this commercial. There's good reason for my glistening skin and how I shine. I should actually say, I made the joke about it being a voiceover. Like, clearly it is in the first person, which just adds to the weirdness of it. Watch the eyes, though, Genevieve. They get bigger and weirder as this goes on. And how my pores are so clean and clear. I eat little baby's ice cream. It keeps me young. It keeps me light on my feet. I spring from activity to activity. I love my job. I love my life. When you eat little baby's ice cream, you'll wink and nod and hug and high-five each other with great enthusiasm. This is a special time. Little baby's ice cream. That is really weird and disturbing. I cannot describe the visuals enough to somebody who hasn't seen it. It is terrible. As gross as you think it is from our description, it's way grosser in person. Now, I found an interview from 2012 with the director. Again, Doug Garth Williams is the guy behind this. And he's, you know, he's got an art background, a visual art background. 
And the person interviewing him asked about directing the talent, directing the, the actors in this. Uh, and this is a quote from him, the director. In terms of directing, I needed to get this character in a very weird place. It was certainly not an easily communicated state of mind. It was important to talk about the scene with the actor in a very deliberate way. The basic idea for the scene was that the character was literally giving up an important part of themselves in pursuit of the incredible sensation that devouring their own ice cream body provides. Here's the emboldened part. It's pretty twisted, but they are actually lobotomizing themselves as the ad proceeds. Ew. As they eat, their original sense of self decreases and the compulsive drive to consume their own delicious ice cream body grows. That is vile. So that's why you got to keep an eye on the eyes yeah. there. They're losing more and more consciousness yeah. as they're scooping from the top of their head and feeding themselves themselves. Very Ray Liotta. And Hannibal. Oh. He doesn't eat himself. Actually, I think they do feed him to himself. Well, gee, I hope nobody was planning on watching that movie for the first time this weekend, Genevieve. Yeah, I hope I didn't spoil a movie that's now like 10 years old at least. I got no, I I got nothing after that. That really took the uh, piss out of me. Do you have anything that you'd like to wrap up this segment with before we get into (laughs) your favorite text of the week? Um, No, I thought that was interesting. And it's like conceptually... It doesn't always bother me. I mean, that last one, the ice cream one that we've talked about before was intended to be Uh disturbing. So I feel like that kind of doesn't count. I mean, it wasn't a spec ad, but it was a provide. It was intended to provoke. And again, I kind of doubt it aired on TV, but I'm not sure it might have. I'd be super shocked, but maybe. I mean, anything. It's not obscene by any official metric, but it's Mm. obscene. it it's nevertheless feels obscene. The one thing going for it, though, even if it didn't air, it was produced like something could. I like the... I know this is a weird thing, but I like the fact that it's a commercial length commercial. It's yeah. exactly one minute, and I think I saw another one that's exactly 30. So they did have broadcast in mind. Right, as, as a, a possibility. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I like I think the ones for Cinnamon Toast Crunch are kind of cute and funny. I think it really fails with the M&M, but I don't like that campaign to begin with because yeah. of all of the gross like sort of conflation of sex and and cannibalism and Mm -hmm. like are you if if something is eligible to be a sexual partner it should not also be eligible to be consumed and it's also just not funny yeah i I hope no praying mantis has heard you say that by the way um (laughs) i think they eat don't they eat their mantis? famously um But yeah, but I, I just think the M&M one's just like, literally, they've been on the air for so long and they've never made me even so much as chuckle. No, I don't care for them either. They had the Dan, big Danny DeVito one in the Super Bowl. It's yeah, like their the jokes really ones. never work for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, although there is one with David Cross that kind of makes me laugh a little bit. Because we know it's David Cross. Yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying Only the echoes of my mind Well, we got a text uh, from friend of the show, Ben Harrison, uh, host of uh, The Greatest Generation, host of Friendly Fire, um, and he uh, he listened to our show about spec ads. And, of course, Ben is a filmmaker. Oh, uh, shoot. When I made that joke about a couple of white people talking about movies, I wasn't taking any shots <laughs> well, at Well, there's three Benjamin. white people. Oh, okay. That's so different. So that's okay. okay. 
the we talked last week about spec ads and 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 ads that like we talked about at the beginning that are you know they're done uh, without really the buy-in from the product and it's meant to show a filmmaker's talent or potentially put an idea in front of a, of a product that might be purchased someday. Um, ben is a filmmaker. He knows a lot of other filmmakers. And he said, your, your spec ad show reminded me of an incident when some friends of mine made a spec ad about 10 years ago that almost got their production company sued out of existence by the Coca-Cola company. Um, I think Coke's gripe was that they put it out saying it was, quote, banned and not that it was a spec ad. So people thought that Coke really made it. The commercial is also extremely cringe emoji. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I think we mentioned it last week, but you and I feel like that's probably the way a lot of these go. A lot, yeah. There are so many commercials oh. that are listed on YouTube as banned commercial. This commercial was banned. But I'm pretty sure they were all just spec ads. Or, again, people just trying to get attention. They most always have to do with sexual Yeah, it's usually pretty gross or pretty you know explicit. Um and yeah, I think anytime you see, not maybe like literally every time, but most times you see something that was a banned commercial, it was something that someone made and, and was then ca- the the makers kind of count on someone picking it up and running with it. Uh, in this case, I'm going to describe this ad and I'm going to tell you right now, I will link to it uh, on our Facebook page. It is extremely graphic. Um can I ask a favor? As yeah. you describe it, could you just kind of like lower your voice a little <laughs> no. bit? And just kinda... That's gross. Okay. Um, this is an extremely graphic commercial. Um, there is a um, a white woman, and I mentioned their races because it was part of the discussion later. Uh, a white woman who is shown from behind, apparently naked, although you know you, she's cut off and she's, she's filmed. We see a lot of her, though. She's shot in such a way that you don't see her actual any actual bits but it's pretty clear that she is nude um and she is giving a blowjob to a black man um who's standing in the kitchen who's standing in a kitchen and it's like so graphic i mean it really like it shows everything but the you know the actual act um and it goes on for quite a while with like all of the attendant noises and what have you and then cut to um her face and where her mouth is is a large bottle of Sprite which then shoots foam all over her face. Now I think before that happens though it's a little bit unclear but we start hearing their thoughts and she starts thinking I really want a Sprite. Oh I'd already forgotten that part. I mean the the graphic the visuals are so graphic. I think you start like we see a close up on her face although we don't see her mouth we see her eyes and it's a little bit unclear because I think she thinks something about Sprite and then I believe he thinks something about Sprite too, but I could be wrong. They're either both her thoughts or he's got a higher pitched voice. I, I don't know. Let's take a listen to this, if you will. Um, I don't know. Parental warning, I guess. Oh, that's right. It's in oh, German. I, it's in German. So okay. you're seeing that you hear that you hear her voiceover, and the the uh, subtitle is "I could really go for a sprite right now." Oh my god! And then her mouth actually comes off of this sprite bottle, which then shoots fizzy foam all over her face. 
And then uh, obey your thirst, Sprite. I forgot that it was in German. That would be why I had trouble. Yeah, this is referred to as a banned German ad. Uh, They did not play it in Germany either. Were the filmmakers German? Ben's friends? Or did they just... Because so many of the quote-unquote banned ads I see that I don't think are really banned ads often are in a different language, I've noticed. Yeah, I don't know why it was made in German. Um, So who actually made it is sort of, I think, remains a bit of an open question. Uh, it got tons of press. I mean, people went completely bananas. There was so much press around this, especially like the lower level blogs, but like Gawker covered it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was directed by a guy named Max Isaacson. Um, and it was initially said to have been produced by Green Card Pictures in Brooklyn, which is, I suspect, the the friends that Ben was referring to. That I suspect his friends worked for Green Card Pictures. Um, but they very quickly disavowed it. And then Max... Uh, uh, Isaacson later came out with the statements uh, agreeing that they had had nothing to do with it. So I don't know what, if any, role Green Card Pictures mm-hmm. had with it. I mean, who knows? Maybe they like, you know, gave him some sort of production support in some way. But it was really this Max Isaacson's thing. Or they just like Max Isaacson realized like I'm a person. It probably you were probably able to mitigate the, right. The He's litigation. he has less exposure than they do. Um, and and like Sprite was calling or coca-cola company was like getting in journalists faces about not having this be not not having them post it with the coverage that they were writing about it it's weird because you would think a commercial like this that received that was so uh that the lawyers really went after it really heavily would be harder to find than it is but i think because it became so newsworthy it can't really be legally taken down now Mm -hmm. because it is in fact Newsworthy. Well, the Gawker article that was originally from July of 2009. So wow, we're, we just we just celebrated the anniversary yeah, of this just, viral video. It's exactly 10 years old. Um, they uh, the the opening graph of the article, which by the way the headline was "Fake Sprite Ad Director Speaks." It was fake. Duh. <laughs> this is Hamilton um, Nolan. Yeah, I, I love Hamilton Nolan. Where is he writing now? Uh, I think he was at like. I can't remember. He went to another magazine. I should look that up. Um, uh, but anyway, um, he says the video has been pulled from YouTube. He might have been at the Atlantic, but I can't remember. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So at the time, they did scrub it from the internet. But, you know, like fungi, this stuff tends to pop up. Yeah, you it's know? very easy to find. And did you want to read part of this actual statement? So this is a statement that Max shared with Gawker magazine. And this is so clearly like written in a very clear way. He's not talking to the readers of Gawker. He's talking to Coca-Cola. They are managing this like crazy because they realize that... They overshot a little bit. They overshot a little bit. Not unlike the fella in that commercial. Touche. I direct... This is... My name is Max Isaacson. I directed and produced the fake Sprite ad. He said ad, so maybe there was another Mm. one, but that was the only one that really made it to the news that I've been making the rounds over the past five days. There have been quite a lot of false statements made regarding these, and I would like to make a few things very clear about these spots. First, there was no involvement from either the Coca-Cola company or Green Card Pictures. So he's absolving Green Card mm-hmm. Pictures. Whatever whatever they did or didn't do for this, he's absolving them. Second, this was not supposed to be taken seriously by anybody. Ah, the siren song of bad <laughs> ideas. I was joking. <laughs> If you took it seriously, I meant... If, if you liked it, I meant it. If you didn't like it, I was joking. Well, what he's getting at here is he's showing a frustration with all of the news 
blogs and whatever that just pick this up without saying it with a spec. That's why Coke is so mad because everybody is just reporting on this like, can you believe that Coke made this ad? He says they were made, he says this was not supposed to be taken seriously by anybody. They were made completely on spec, which was clearly stated on the YouTube pages on which the ads were primarily seen. I paid for, produced, and directed both spots independently. I am frankly quite surprised that spots of this nature were so quickly and easily believed to be legitimate. I hope that all parties involved will understand that this was a simple mistake that went much too far, too fast, and that it is now made clear that these were not real commercials, nor were they ever produced with the intention of being taken as such. Um, Thank you, Max Isaacson. P.S. I would like to thank Gawker personally for immediately realizing that these were spec commercials, I believe you're one of the only two sources that did any fact-checking before posting. There we got to, Yeah, we see exactly where his But I sort of take issue with, with his use of the term spec commercial to be synonymous with joke or not seriously. I mean, yes, they're not seriously in the sense of Sprite and Coke didn't fund them or, or pay for them. And... But not. But a spec commercial isn't just by definition a prank or a joke at the expense mm-hmm. of the product, and I don't know what. I don't know what um, like laws govern the use of trademarked things. I mean, we we watched a bunch of spec commercials last week that use plenty of trademark stuff in them, and we I think we have to assume that like Tesla's fine with that Tesla ad being out there. They didn't pay for it. They're not helping to distribute it. But it's not hurting their brand in any way, right? Yeah, yeah. And spec commercials frequently use well-known brands. It's one of the eight rules of making spec commercials. <laughs> um, so it's interesting. Like one of the thing, one of the pieces of coverage I read about this was that um, a lot of the like one of the blo- bloggers who wrote about it said, "I'm posting the commercial here, but with the Sprite logo blurred out because mm-hmm. that's the only version that Coke will let you mm-hmm. um, post." Now there are other versions. There are, there are versions out there with the real logo showing. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it does seem like Coke should have, must have enough control over their trademarked logos and branding brand marks that they can say, this is so damaging to our brand that we do not want to be associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did we not pay for it, we don't want it out there. It's not covered under parody. Like, take our, take our brand out of it. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here. I mean, I doubt that the people behind this one would hear this. I know they're they're friends of our friend Ben, and he probably will hear this. But I also got to say, it's not good. No, it's not good. It's it's all shock. It's all just shock. It doesn't make sense. Like, you know, aside from the pearl clutching, like, it's just like, what? He's thinking of it. And it's not really well as a spec ad. It's like you're supposed to show off, like, your, your, you know, directorial chops. And, like, when it cuts to the... Stuff going all the sprite going all over her, yeah, sprite, right? I almost yeah. said seven up. Um, it's just like, <laughs> don't bring seven up into this <laughs> now. We'll get sued <laughs> when the RC cola starts splashing all <laughs> over. Her. Um, but it like it just it, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, maybe you're going for a German sensibility, so god knows. <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to get in that world. Um, and uh, and it, but it just it doesn't seem to really show off that great. It's only shocking. I, you know, there's one that I ran into a million times today because again, I thought for sure I could find. To go back, I thought for sure I could find a commercial of a hot dog eating itself. Uh-huh. Maybe, thankfully, I couldn't. But <laughs> again, gonna want to clear that <laughs> search history. I d- 
did keep coming across a very disturbing video that I did not click on of a snake that ate itself to death. Oh, that a true, was, a real live Ouroboros. Gross. Um, just from the still shots. But anyway, there is this commercial that is, I think, in some places called a banned commercial for uh, Wiener Schnitzel, which is that um, we had them in Southern California, like, you know, just like a chain of small hot dog yeah, stands that you could drive through and get your hot dogs. I loved them. There's one by my house. Um, and there's a commercial. I bet you a million bucks you've seen this over the years that we've been doing this show, Vives. It pops up all the time on like the funniest band commercial is and stuff and you see an animated uh hot dog and, and bun like running down a hallway i think it's supposed to be a dormitory because if not i worry that we get in some incest with this commercial <laughs> but and we see hey, next week's show <laughs> we see a woman a young woman uh chasing the hot dog down the hallway she really wants this hot dog and then the hot dog runs into somebody else's room where it's dark and it jumps under the covers and she reaches under the covers and she we don't see it but she thinks she grabbed the hot dog then all of a sudden we see there's a man in the bed and he shoots up and he starts screaming and then she looks over and she's at the, she, she sees that the animated hot dog is actually over there on that side of the bed. So then what is she holding in her hands? And there's like this realization they all keep looking at each other and screaming. Now, it's shock value. I know that that never, I'm quite sure that that never aired on TV no, for this hot dog chain. But it at least follows a narrative that makes sense. It's yeah. blue. It's fun. It's, you know, you may not like it, but joke, it makes sense. But it makes sense. This one doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's just an excuse to cover a woman's face in yeah. that semen. Right, exactly. So there you go. A lot of a lot of sentences I never thought were going to be said on the show <laughs> or being said today. But anyway, a big thank you to Ben for uh, giving us that little uh, trip down, trip into spec commercial history, which was uh, great. What, has Ben made any? I mean, this I don't is know. a stupid thing to say on the ben, podcast. Ben, text me if, you, <laughs> if you've made any spec commercials. Oh, we could also... We should talk more. Um, okay, and you had a voicemail here, right? Yes. Uh, also, last week I talked about uh, the great hand pollination, hand pollinated vanilla scandal, which is that all vanilla is hand pollinated because there's no bees anymore for the particular vanilla orchid that requires bee. This one bee to pollinate it. Um, but this is this is just um, this is just some interesting information about things you can do with vanilla beans. <laughs> Hi, Andrew and Genevieve. This is Lindsay in Nashville. Um, I'm a TBTL fan and now a um, an After These Messages listener. But hey, I was just listening to um, the show where y'all talk about vanilla and wanted to tell you, yes, you can buy the cheap chemical stuff that's made to approximate vanilla flavor, but you can also make vanilla extract at home, the real stuff, and it's super easy, and my mom does it. You just order really fresh, good, like vacuum-packed vanilla beans from Mexico, and you can get them online. And then you buy a bottle of, like, Tito's vodka, and you put a couple beans in the bottle of vodka and close the bottle up and let it sit for a few weeks. And you go back – well, I say go back in the back hall because that's where my mom does it. But you um, rotate the bottles every few days or something, and the vodka slowly starts to take on this beautiful brown kind of vanilla bean color, and it starts to smell like vanilla, and that becomes vanilla extract. And so you can just make it at home. And my mom does this, and she puts it into little bottles and gives it to people for gifts. And that's all I bake with now. I don't. I haven't bought vanilla extract in in a really long time. So there's a cheap little life hack, it, buddy. 
doing a little TBTL crossover there for you. <laughs> um, a little life packet buddy for y'all related to vanilla, but really interesting stuff. Um, anyway, just want you to know, I also became um, an After These Messages listener because Genevieve, you are delightful, and I need more of you. That's the real life. reason they played this Bye-bye. one. Hope y'all are having a great <laughs> weekend. Talk to you later. Cross promotion works. <laughs> it totally works. I am so ready to try this. Now, yes. one thing about vanilla beans that I have found is that they are expensive. That's what I was going to say. I thought that the whole point was that vanilla beans are expensive. They are expensive, but I'm guessing that if you buy them in the bulk, at the bulk level uh, that she's describing, and then that you can make a lot of vanilla extract from it, and like a little bottle of vanilla extract like this, you know, it's like an ounce or two is you know the real stuff's like not cheap mm-hmm. but i bet you could make a whole ton of it with a with a relatively few ban- vanilla beans um so i'm very excited to try this i'm going to order some vanilla beans from mexico and let's look up like the um ratios as well because it sound Lindsay makes it sound like you just take like she said maybe two or three and you put it in an entire bottle of vodka. yeah that's what i'm saying i think you yeah. could, i think it's it, it scales yeah. quite yeah. quite easily with a few few vanilla vanilla beans so i I'm love very, the idea of making it as gifts as, too, gifts. as long as it's good yeah no i'm very excited to try this so yeah. uh Lindsay, Thank you. I, I love a DIY project, and this sounds like it's right up my alley. This fall, it's going to be nothing but candle making, stock oh. simmering, and Pioneer vanilla. life. And pioneer life in 2019. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. All right. Want to get out of here? Let's get out of here. Thank you for putting together that gross, gross show. Sure. Sorry, I got so. Otherwise, <laughs> I got real babbly in that show at times. No, no. I, that's I'm... why I kind of ran out of steam at the end. I was like, You said all I your just, words. You I said just, all the words you know. <laughs> I was like, I just exhausted myself. I can't even imagine how the listeners feel after Aww, getting a, I don't think that's just a, fair. a full bombast of Andrew. I, I apologize if I took it to a dark place. It just prompts me to ask the existential questions about. When does a potato become a Mr. Potato? No, I think I think that's fair. Is there a Mrs. Potato? <laughs> I feel like that's a joke. And As yet, I'm saying that, is that like a is that a far side joke or a bad New Yorker or something? Well, I think that construction has been used sure, in a number yeah. of places. But to short answer, yes, we all know there's a Mrs. Potato. Yes, right? we do know that. So stop hitting on Mr. Potato. Yeah, for Head. God's sake, you perverts. Um, okay, so what do we need to tell the listeners? And let's get out of here. Uh, if you have an, any fun home DIY tips. Obviously, this is the right podcast. No, 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 no. There's another (laughs) podcast. There's another podcast hosted by another charming woman and myself called Spotless. And we talk about that might be the place for that. Cleaning and ice trays over there. If you have commercial related content, call us at 607-444-5597. Email us at after these messages show at Gmail. We love to get your emails and join us on the Facebook group, which is after these messages. Uh, I think it's just the after these messages Facebook group. I'd forget if show is in there. You can find it. You know what? You know how Facebook works. Yeah. Power out. Power out. <laughs> Kittens, puppies, 401ks, Bobos, yuppies. Yeah, I'm talking about wine drinkers, bald head men, clucks, clan swine thinkers. What motivates you? Let's go around.